Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Imperfect Parenting podcast. And last time we we were talking, Rob and I were talking about comparison. Well, Rob was talking about the danger of comparison and what we should do by bringing, actually, when a kid is feeling less than because they're comparing themselves to others, that they should, that we should talk to them and that we should we should let them talk about their feelings and what they're feeling and how they're feeling and and then help them remember how loved they are. Uh, am I summing that up semi-okay? So you've done a great job. Thank you for that, yes. And I thought we'd talk about it a bit more this episode before moving on to a related topic. So I think it's it's a good idea to separate our reflections into two areas. The first would be, you know, if you like, work our children need to do in this area. And then, as always, the work we need to do as parents of our beloved children. So looking again, we won't go into into too much depth today, but looking at the work that children need to do. If we have one of our kids who is struggling because his or her sibling is doing well, okay, and our our child is, is feeling less than as a result and is sore because of that, there's work that they need to do. Obviously, it's age-dependent. I think, though, Stuart, it's fair to say that some kids are more sensitive to difficulties in this area. I mean, there can be a range of reasons for that. But as parents, we want to join them in that struggle. We want to help them because what we're doing at the end of the day is we're helping them with themselves, that my relationship with me area or territory. And it's such, it's such a vital aspect of our child's core self-esteem, their relationship to themselves. Again, then just to say, in as much as our kids are struggling um, because they feel less than one of their siblings, They've got an injury at that core uh, center of their self-esteem, their relationship with themselves. We want to step into that territory with them. We want to reestablish, reorientate a healthy sense of self. And that's really, really important. We want to talk with them about that. So what, what, Rob, would you say is the unhealthy part of it? And what are you trying trying to point them towards. I know you said some of it last week, but I think it's good for us to hear this. Again, Stuart, we'll go into potentially bigger areas. So it depends on the age of a child. But as as our kids get older, their relationships with themselves become multifaceted. Um, there's all sorts of things that um, really matter a lot. For example, one of the things that I know is established at an early age, early on in a school career, would be my academic self-concept. So I guess what you're talking about there would be my relationship to my own mind. Do I trust my own mind? Do I think my mind can learn stuff? Do I think that my mind is, is able to assimilate difficult information? Or have I already at sometimes a, an appallingly early age, started to assume that my mind doesn't have what it takes, that my mind can't solve difficult stuff, that academics for me is basically a non-starter. It's not my territory. So even academic self-concept, I mean, I've heard stories that are for me always touching stories of teachers who restore academic self-concepts. And invariably what these teachers are, are gifted at stew 
is seeing the child, sometimes cupping the child's face in their hands and saying, sweetheart, I'm not giving up on you. Don't you give up on you. We will get this done. Helping the child breathe in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggle, and give their minds a chance because, my word, what their minds can do, well, it's just incredible. Are they able to give their minds a chance? Even if they've got a galloping, sprinting older sibling doing so very, very well, you know, and getting things right, just on the turn of things, they happen to pick it up super fast. Is, is, is our child who's struggling with academic self-concept uh, giving himself, herself a chance in there to, So that would be one aspect. I just, I just want to talk about how that was one of the things that I loved most about when I did teach for the six years that I taught. I absolutely loved seeing a kid who had no hope or thought of the possibility that they could actually learn, start to believe again that they could, and and it's and that it is possible. And unfortunately, a lot of it came down to they had been boxed by many different adults into this idea that this was not their thing and that they you know that they will they will never be able to and then to see kids actually achieve quite exceptionally when they realize that that someone believes in them and that they can actually so yeah um it makes a lot of sense to me what you what you just said and i think a part of that a part of what good teachers do and also for us as parents is helping our children understand failure or perceived failure or difficulty, helping our kids understand that territory, not getting stuff right the first time, the second time, the third time, helping our kids to keep faith in their minds, in themselves, in those spaces is really, really important. And also bearing in mind that even though we've nev- we may not have said anything and our children may not have come across teachers who have planted seeds of doubt in their minds, but kids anyway will doubt themselves because of our our human tendency to compare and to start to potentially feel less than. That's why, again, if we notice one of our, our children looking a little sad or struggling a bit <laughs> in the midst of their, of their sibling's success, go there. Maybe not immediately. We don't have to be reactive about it or overly anxious ourselves as parents, but we do need to go there and to just make sure that there aren't some you know, nicks, cuts, grazes, bruises, injuries inside our child's our child's mind and heart. And what do you think of, so one of the things that, that I've found quite um, useful, but it might just be the personality of my children that has been helpful. But sometimes I'll talk to my one child and say, hey, your brother or your sister is struggling a bit, you know, and during this time, like, please look out for him or her. And I found that incredibly powerful. I had a situation actually this last week where little Jess comes to me and says, Caleb just came came over to me and said, are you okay, Jess? Are you doing all right? And that meant the world to her. Like it was this incredible that my brother actually came and checked in on me. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes because I hadn't had the chat with Caleb about, about in this particular moment. But but yeah, the the power of of like noticing I suppose and caring not just from parents perspective but maybe also from siblings Rob you know Stu one of my colleagues who's done wonderful work in the field of sibling relationships reminded me that sibling relationships are usually the longest standing of all of our close close relationships so they span across the decades and 
it's on us as parents, I think, to foster and nourish and and help our children towards good uh, sibling relationships and helping our our children be mindful of, of, of each other and caring towards each other. And I think that when we, when we uh, raise the profile of that type of behavior, good sibling relationships, care for each other, help our kids to realize it matters, to help them to think about it and to appreciate or be aware of their siblings' realities. I think it's huge. And so I think that's brilliant, Stu. Um, I think too often sibling relationships happen kind of by accident. I don't know that we as parents, and we're busy people parents, so I don't know that we, we very often focus on, on how siblings treat each other or the sorts of values that we're wanting them you know, to, to act on between each other. So I think that that's a really big deal. So you just since we're looking at, at our kids in areas, so, so there's that academic self-concept, but obviously there are, there are others. Um, there can be body image for sure, you know, feeling less than and apparently more attractive or more athletic or, you know, whatever it may be, a sibling. So there are those sorts of things. I guess what you'd look at would be what are the sorts of things that society values and just looking to see the impact that that can have on our kids and their and their core self-esteem, their, their self-acceptance, a delicate territory. It really, really is. You know, because it's not like these things don't matter. So we won't go there today because we don't have the space for it. But I quite often talk to loving parents who worry about their children's physique because of, if you like, the child's overweight. Whew, that's a difficult thing to parent. It's a very, very difficult thing to parent. And it's not like kids don't know it a lot of the time because peers can be mean and you can be that person on the sports field or in the gym. So it's a delicate it's a delicate area, but but body image for sure can be another area that, with great delicacy and with a lot of sensitivity, we do want to help our children, especially as they get towards adolescence, maintain good relationship with their with their physical self. And then, of course, just to say, looking at our child's you know self concept, you know, there may be in terms of peer relationships, so social style. You know, one child might just be more outgoing and more extrovert. Sometimes introverted kids can feel less than as a result. So there's, there are quite a few, so social self, physical self, academic or, or intellectual self. All of those areas would be potentially areas where a child can start to have this really horrible sense of, of not being good enough. So there are various things like that that we want to just make sure our kids are okay with basically you know how god made them and and i mean this to me sounds like comparison so maybe i'm answering my own question but a question to you would be if i'm saying to a child who's struggling maybe with an academic perception of themselves but it's okay my dear you know you're good at this you're good at that what do you think of that i think it's something that parents instinctively do and i understand it so we do want our children to remember their gifts as they seem at that time because remember gifts continue to unfold as children get older always amazed by how much children change and grow over the years so let's never forget that but that 10 year old you you know at this stage it looks like you know just don't forget that part of you or this part of you that I really love and I think that that's important but I'm not sure that it actually heals the injury so let's go let's stick with with 
with with my relationship to my mind. Stu, uh, to be honest, I can't have a child shut down on that one and say, well, you know, not bright, but am good at, you know, whatever else. I, I can't. I just can't do it. I I never want a child to underestimate their capacity to learn. Yes, at the same time, let's not underestimate how very, very challenging and difficult learning can be. But I can't say to a child, it's okay for me that you don't have a strength in the area of, of problem solving, of, of, of learning. I can't, Stu. So that one for me, uh, it can't be. Uh, yeah. So, so I hear what you're saying about talking, you know, reminding children of their gifts. But I often wonder whether in that, in that actual conversation, you're just comparing again and you're actually boxing again when you when you say to a child, yeah, 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 you're not good at that, but you are good at this. And I want to say to a child, but yeah, for now, maybe you're struggling with this, but who knows? And who knows what your capacity actually is? We, you're little still and you're still growing. You know, Stu, that's such a great point and the way you said it is perfect. Um, I think at the moment, right now, I'll have a child in my mind, but there have been many Genuinely, if I had spoken to his eight, nine, ten-year-old self, and if I'd taken the line of, you know, the boxing that you talk about, I would have said to him, if, if I'd just spoken to him then, and I'm going back some eight years ago, I would have said to him, you know, it's okay that you're not sporty, you know, not everyone is sporty, but you are good at A, B, or C. I would have said that to him if I'd taken the identify your gifts and go with those approach, boxing closing down on areas where that child wasn't good at back then. Stu, this same person, I promise you, now, 2023, is very, very good at sport. His physiology has changed. He's a completely different specimen. Um, So I would have been shockingly wrong, or more to the point, he wouldn't have tried. But he did actually stay with sport. As his physique changed, he became jolly good. And at this stage, he's looking at sort of national or provincial representation in the in sport. So, no, I can't do that. I take your point. It's about at this stage, this is hard for you. Not this isn't you, but this is a struggle for you right now. And I get that that's painful. And and maybe maybe we're still learning about you. <laughs> we still we're still you know there's a long way to go. I mean you know I'm even I feel like learning about myself still. You know, and that's this journey of. Like I didn't realize I could do some of these things that I'm doing now, even five, six years ago. And that, that to me should be the beauty of life is, is, is that it's, you're constantly on a new adventure and, and a new, new growth and, and a new possibility actually. And especially when you are only eight, nine, 10, or even, even 13, 14, Rob. There we go. And, 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 and so on and so on, you know, as we go through, I mean, I guess, one of the things I'd throw into my conversation with a child would be, you know, it depends right now to me what matters to you. So let's stay close to what matters to you, what you, you know, what you care about and what you want to invest in. I don't know if you want to, you know, right now, you know, be a good sports person. If you do, well, let's look at that. But uh, it depends what matters to you. And so we go, you know, as we get older, we stay close to those things that we actually care about, that that means something to us. And then let's go. Let's give our, our minds, our bodies, our hearts a chance to to really, really grow and learn and, and potentially shoot the lights out. Thanks, Rob. This is really good stuff. And I suppose the next one is on um, 
what the parents need to do. And, and as I think about that, I suspect some of it's going to be around, if I think of myself, what do I want for my child? And how does that mess things up? 